Congregation, tonight we will consider together the Eighth Commandment. Therefore, let us first read the Heidelberg Catechism, a short explanation of this Eighth Commandment on page 79, Lord's Day 42. Question 110. What does God forbid in the Eighth Commandment? And so God forbids not only those thefts and robberies which are punishable by the magistrate, but he comprehends under the name of theft all wicked tricks and devices whereby we design to appropriate to ourselves the goods which belong to our neighbor, whether it be by force or under the appearance of right, as by unjust weights, else measures, fraudulent merchandise, false coins, usury, or by any other way forbidden by God as also all covetousness, all abuse, and waste of his gifts. Question 111. But what does God require in this commandment? Answer that I promote the advantage of my neighbor in every instance I can or may, and deal with him as I desire to be dealt with by others. Further also that I faithfully labor so that I may be able to relieve the needy so far. What we need to be instead of a thief, what we need to be instead of a thief, six points, a content child. Secondly, a traveling pilgrim. In the third place, a trusting sinner. Fourth, a generous neighbor. Five, a hardworking citizen. And in the sixth place, a humble friend. So what we need to be instead of a thief, we need to be a content child a traveling pilgrim, a trusting sinner, a generous neighbor, a hardworking citizen, and a humble friend. Congregations are in BC, as far as I'm concerned, no venomous snakes. The snakes we find, especially in the valley, are just water snakes and harmless. They don't bite. They don't have venom in them, but suppose that some will be bitten in another province by a phenomenal snake. What do you do? You go to the hospital and you ask for an antidote. Antidote. An antidote. What is an antidote? An antidote is an effective is is effective is 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 a medicine we take to counteract the particular poison, to counteract the poison so that it neutralizes it, so that you won't die from it. Well, tonight we hope to also speak about 
stealing, right? And what are the anti-dots, anti-antidotes to, to stealing? Is it something, a kind of a remedy? Is there an antidote against stealing that people say, I don't want to steal anymore? Because I got that injection of that special remedy that I, I need. That I need against that venom of stealing. Well, in almost all those six points, you find something of that antidote. For example, in the first part, contentment. Right? You're content. If you're happy, you're satisfied. You say, I, I have everything. I don't need more. They don't steal, do you? So if you could be really content and happy and satisfied with something, that would be just a good antidote to stealing. So let us meditate on that. For example, I think of David in Psalm 73, the well-known Psalm 73, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. I, I, if, I, if I have the Lord, I have everything. So they don't desire anything beside him. Could you relate to that? Do you have moments in your life that you have everything? And that you don't desire anything else? Say, Lord, it's fine. Whatever I experience, whatever I have, it's enough. I can easily continue with that because I have thee. And there's nothing on earth that I desire beside you. That's such a strong antidote, isn't it? Contentment with the Lord. Or think of the well-known Psalm 16. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance. And of my lot, of my cup, thou maintainest my lot. So being satisfied with the Lord, the Lord my portion, my inheritance. The Lord has given me an inheritance. Not money-wise, but the Lord has given himself as my portion. I am the richest person possible. I don't need to steal. I don't, I don't need money more. I'm content. Do you know of that contentment? Contentment of the Lord being your portion. The Lord saying, I am your great reward. If you miss that, you miss a lot. And no wonder then that people steal because nothing on earth can possibly satisfy. Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is full of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Also Psalm 16. Pleasures forevermore. When you don't need the pleasures of having things, having stuff, buying stuff, stealing stuff. You don't need that. If the Lord is your portion, if the Lord is, and his presence is fullness of joy. So, the next verse you'd like to quote is showing a better way. 
is showing something of a command, something of encouragement. Not a fact, but a little stronger personal. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desire of thine heart. To delight, delight, that's, that's a command, that is an encouragement tonight. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. So you are prone to stealing something and to commit fraud somehow and to lie to Revenue Canada or something, and you say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I, I don't have to, because I can be, have a happiness outside of that. I, I don't need to do that. Don't forget that the loving kindness of the Lord is better than life. Better than life. So think of the best things of this life you can think of. You have that car, that house, that job, that, tie, that, that amount of money. You just, that farm, you have it. Think of that. It's something better. Something better than being successful in business. Something better than having it all. So you don't need to steal at all. You don't need to be fraudulent at all. It, there is uh, another delight, another pleasure. Because Paul has learned that. Because Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, and yet possessing all things. You hear, did you hear that? Having nothing, and yet possessing all things. That's God's people. Even if they have nothing, even if they're only in debt, and they're poor, and not successful at all, and not honored for it either, and they feel blended of all, and don't feel even seen by others. They may have the feeling, in, in the world I have nothing, and yet possessing all things. How true it is, all things. If you have grace, if you have a new heart, if you, have the re, if you know what repentance is, and the knowledge of your sins, and that confessing before the Lord, and that taking refuge into the Savior, the Lord Jesus, if you know those things, then you have all things. And you better rejoice in that, if that's true. So why would you steal? Why would you steal if you're you content? The question is, what are our priorities? Solomon, the wise King Solomon, wrote quite a few verses on riches and how to experience it. And he writes in Proverbs 15, Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. So the fear of the Lord, with the fear of the Lord, it's so much better to have a little bit with the fear of the Lord, with his favor. 
also consider what John the Baptist said. It is this not something in the margin of the Bible, of the truth, that we should not steal and be content. That it's a major thing because God is so honored. We are content with him. We are satisfied with him. And if you're not content at all, the Lord says, how, how come? Can you be content with me? And if, if you are not, that's offensive to God. So that the joy of God's people comes together with the glory of God, right? So God's people are so satisfied with God. And that in itself is glorifying to the Lord. John the Baptist. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, What shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. Apparently, the soldiers, their own soldiers, were not content. Always more, more wages. Always murmuring, always commenting. We need more, we need more. And John the Baptist said, you have to stop that. Contentment is an antidote, an antidote to stealing. The Apostle Paul writes that he changed over time. When he was younger, it was more difficult for him to be content. He learned over time to deal with disappointments and with being poor. Now that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned, I've learned, those are lessons learned in the school of Jesus, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. It was the first antidote, contentment. Let's go to the second thought. A traveling pilgrim. Stealing is an attempt to be satisfied, and the more important life on earth is to you, the more you would like to get out of this life. And if you don't get enough out of this life, that's all you, if that's all you have, you are tempted to steal. So the more focused you are on the life below, the deeper your roots are in, the, in this life, in this world, the more you're inclined to help yourself and to steal, and to say, I want more, because this is all you have. If you're a pilgrim, you're just traveling through this life, to the city, I hope, with foundations, whose build and maker is God. If you're a pilgrim, if you are a traveling pilgrim, that makes all the difference. We are not that long on earth. We came to this life with nothing, and we leave with nothing. So therefore, we should seek what we may keep. Agree? 
We should seek what we may keep. Because there are all things in this life and earth we have to hand in again someday. It is not us. We are not the absolute owners. Everything belongs to the Lord. And then we die, the Lord says, give it back. We have to let go. So if you're a pilgrim, if you realize that, then you say, it's only for the time being. I can handle that. There will be a time after this time. Then the church will be rewarded with God's presence. And therefore, God's people say, I don't need to be so focused on the visible things and all the stuff of this life. So there's a connection between being a pilgrim, being a sojourner, being a stranger, he belong, and having no desire to steal and to be dishonest in money. Let me show you. <clears throat> There's a beautiful prayer you may want to study tonight after church. In 1 Chronicles 29, uh, prayer of David. And that's very deep. I just quote one text of that. 1 Chronicles 29, verse 15. For thee are strangers before thee, and sojourners as were all our fathers. Our days on the earth are as a shadow, and is non abiding. If that's on your heart, none is abiding. We are all sojourners. That you don't need to steal. That's a remedy. That's an antidote against the venom of stealing. And David also wrote in Psalm 39 about that. Apparently, the idea of pilgrimage is old. Not from the New Testament, it's actually from the not from the New Testament, it's also from the Old Testament. Even Abraham was a sojourner, right? And we read in Psalm 39, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear unto my cry. Hold not thy peace at my tears, for I am a stranger with thee, and a sojourner as all my fathers were. I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from thee. So do you feel home on earth? Is this your home? Is this your life? This is all you have? Are you really focused on, I have only one life, so I need to get it all here. All my satisfaction from the life, the life you belong. I can see that. If you don't have anything else, then you are not content. You say, I need more, more, more. And this life does not satisfy. The clearest connection between pilgrimage and how to possess things, I say how to possess things, is written by Paul in 1 Corinthians 7. So listen for the connection between um, being a pilgrimage, be, being, being a pilgrim, 
and how to possess things, how to hold them. Let me already say, you know, smell the roses, don't sit in them, right? 1 Corinthians 7, but as I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none. And they that weep as though they wept not. And they rejoice as though they rejoice not. And they that buy, see, as though they possess not. And they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passes away. See that? So Paul begins in 1 Corinthians 79 with, These I say, and the time is short. The time is short, therefore, don't hold it so tight in your hands. The time is short. You're a pilgrim. Why just clenching it in your hands and holding tight? Why? Just let it go. You're only on this earth for a while. And if you are different than that, if, you, if, you just, if you're unfamiliar with being a pilgrim you belong, if you have no other world and no future to look for, then apparently you love this world, right? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If, if any man loved the world, well then, if any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If you like this world, you live this life, and there is no future that you're focused on. If you're not future-oriented, you love the world, and you will perish with the world. No matter how sound and nice and good you have been. Because the Lord is offended when people seek other things over him and are satisfied with his life over him. That's idolatry, isn't it? So contentment is an antidote, but also pilgrimage is an antidote. In third place, a trusting sinner. The Lord reigns over all things. Nothing happens by chance. What do we call that? God's providence, right? The Lord reigneth. He's free. He's in charge of everything. Nothing happens by chance. So he makes the one rich and the other poor. That's the Lord doing it. The Lord's providence. The Lord's choice. The Lord's freedom. He does not have to make our people equally rich and equally happy and equally privileged. He's looking to make changes even there for, in his freedom. And by the way, we even don't know what blessings are anymore. You may think this is a blessing, and it's not. Maybe we say something about something that's, that's not, not, not a blessing, and it might be. But the Lord reigneth. That's an antidote 
to stealing and to murmuring with the Lord, to believe in his providence, in his good providence. So we need to respect God's wisdom. And if you, want, if you steal from someone else, you're actually critical of the Lord. You actually say, Lord, thou hast given too much to that person, so I'm going to take something away from him, her, because I need it. And Lord, thou hast made a mistake to make that person so rich and to be so affluent, and not me, so I have to just adjust that. That's being critical of the Lord. Stealing is being critical of the Almighty One and saying to the Lord that he did it all wrong. But if we trust in him as a sinner trusts in him, believe in him, why would you steal, right? Therefore, we read in the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 9 or so about this, about God's providence. What believest thou when thou sayest, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? And in the latter part of question 26, it says, that for the sake of Christ his Son, he is my God and my Father, on whom I rely so entirely that I have no doubt but he will provide me with all things necessary for soul and body, and further that he will make whatever evils he sends upon me in this valley of tears turn out my advantage, for he is able to do it, being Almighty God, and willing, being a faithful Father. So if you have a strong belief, a strong faith in God's providence, he provides. That's quite an antidote. Solomon, I said before, wrote often about that. And the reading Proverbs 30, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Just enough. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Stealing is also taking the name of God in vain. It is a dishonor to God. The author of Hebrews writes in chapter 13, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So this is about believing in God's promises. Do you? Are those promises not to believers? He's not promising this anyone to just trust in him and to say, it's fine. The Lord reigns. He knows what he's doing, so I can just leave it all in his hands. Can I say it to all of you? Just leave it in God's hands. He reigns. Just be happy. Well, 
I don't think so. Romans 8 says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? But it refers to God's people, right? So that's why it is so important to be converted. Be converted. Then you may believe that it all goes well. If you unconverted, how can, how can you say that? It's not well. I would fear. You have to hurry. You have to seek salvation. Strive to enter. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for his own, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? See? Believing, I'm talking about the true faith. Believing is not only believing in that you're a sinner. That too. And believing that God is just, that as well. Not only believing that God is forgiving. That's also a big part of it. Not only believing that God will lead his people to heaven, but also it's important to trust the Lord in all things that he will provide. So you may believe that, that God provides, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Anti-dot against stealing is believing in God's providence and, and reminiscing that, just considering that, meditate on that. When you're not happy with something, you bring it before the Lord. You say, Lord, I'm not happy with that. And maybe you see yourself this is sin. Maybe the Lord can also show you the way how to deal with that. I'm sure he's willing to. In the fourth place, a generous neighbor. Thou shalt not steal is a commandment, right? But it's not only a commandment not to, it's also a command to do. It's not only forbidding, also commanding. That's why it is so beautiful in the Lord's Day 42 that in question 111 it says, what does God require? The first question was, what does God forbid? But it's not only what he is forbidding, it's also what he is requiring. And the Lord does not say, well, as long as you don't steal, it's fine. No. You, You also should do something. The Lord requires something. The Lord is not only saying, don't steal. The Lord says, be helpful to others. Be of advantage. That I promote the advantage of my neighbor in every instance I can or may. So this is quite a sentence in every instance. I can or may. That is the opposite of materialism. 
the opposite of being too frugal. That is what avarice is. And cupidity. Cupidity. Is that an, another word? I'll look it up. Cupidity means a burning desire to have more wealth than you need. Is that what greed is? Greed is a sin against the Eighth Commandment. So you keep tight, you keep it in your own bank account, you have a hard time being generous to charities and to the church and to people and to the relief and all different aspects of life. So the Lord is requiring to be generous. And in that sense, we need to be imitators of Christ. So, so an antidote. To focus, to think, to consider the riches of the Lord Jesus, what he did and how generous he is. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye, through his poverty, might be rich. That's really being rich in a different sense, I realize that. Nevertheless, that is also beautiful, that the Lord Jesus was rich and yet became poor in order to make rich. So if he is so generous, so giving, we should be so giving and generous as well. So uh, instead of stealing, you say, no, 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 I'm not going to steal, I'm going to give. Instead of stealing from one person, you give something to another person that apparently needs it. You keep your eyes open for the needs of fellow members and neighbors and maybe beloved ones. And you, you try to help them out if you can and may. I read an example in John 12 about Mary, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. What's the sense of doing that? Very costly. Hundreds of dollars, you would say. What's the sense of doing that? Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon Sandwich, should betray him. Why? Why was this not, this ointment not sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Liar. Deceiver. This he said not, this he said not, that he cared for the poor. He did not care for the poor. But because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put in. So one of the disciples, close to the Lord Jesus, had the leak in the ship. The ship looked kind of exactly the same as the ships of the other disciples if I may use that analogy. 
But this league, this league of the eighth commandment of, of being a thief. So if you are an example to others in all the rest, but you have that tendency of being dishonest and a thief like Judas was, your ship will sink. May take a little longer, we would say, but your ship will sink. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. That's the promise of the Lord to them that are generous. You know, there's also a promise to, for them that obey their parents, right? On your father and mother, that thy days may be long upon the land that the Lord gives thee. That thy days may be long. That's the promise. Just an incentive. Be on your parents. You will benefit from it yourself. Also it is. Don't steal and be generous. You will benefit of it yourself. Did you hear that? Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all the increase, so shall thy barn be filled. And you know, I don't know how it works, but I believe it. If you're a generous person, the Lord will give the means to that. The Lord makes you also kinder and more content and more satisfied and happier. Your whole attitude will change. And the, the way you live it is changing. And the, the way you spend is changing. Next point, a hard-working citizen. Let us listen to question 111 again. <clears throat> but what does God require in this commandment? that I promote the advantage of my neighbor in every instance I can or may and deal with him as I desire to be dealt with by others, further so that I faithfully labor. That faithfully labor, that, what's the connection? Has it anything to do with the Eighth Commandment to labor faithfully? Sure. But you labor faithfully, you make some money, right, that you can use. If you just don't work, you have no money, you can't live, you can't continue, and you're dependent upon others, and you have also that urge to steal, right? You don't work. So working is also an antidote to stealing. Work. It's interesting how often the wise King Solomon writes about that. At least five texts in uh, Proverbs indicate that we need to work hard. We don't have to work too hard. Go back to that as well. But also that we need to work. He refers to ants. Those little insects, ants. On the, in, the, in, in the basement or wherever, in the, in, the, in the kitchen. And they are so industrious, so busy, always running. 
And if you look at an ant's hill or an ant's nest, it's, it's amazing how, how busy they constantly are. And Solomon had seen it as well. Ants are all over the world, all different kinds. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. So, depend upon our characters. I encourage the whole congregation to not be a sluggard, to not take it too easy, but to go to the ants and to learn from them. And I think in our culture and Dutch culture still, there is that work ethic, right? Of working, working, working. So I don't think too many of us are sluggards. He writes in Proverbs 10, He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causes shame. So you're a farmer, you have planted seed, and the crops are ready to be harvested in the summer. You have no desire, right? Just delay, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. Maybe next month. And just, you sit on the field, the, the corn is just wasting. And the, 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 the wheat. So you need to be on time and just do your best and maybe start earlier. Like in last week, you know, some were mowing the first grass, harvesting the first grass, and then the whole family is involved, right? Working hard. And how dumb it is to not take care of that and to just say we can harvest later. Uh, when it's harvest time, it needs to be harvested. And he that tilleth the ground, he tilleth the land, shall be satisfied with bread. But he that followeth vain persons, void is void of understanding. So... There was kind of an agriculture, agriculture culture as well there. So they had to till the ground. They had to plow it and to till it and to prepare the soil. And if people don't do that, then you are a person of no understanding, void of understanding. You have to work. You have to make it work. You, may, you have to do it well. Wealth is gotten by, by God by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathered by labor shall increase. So by labor shall increase. It's a blessing. You know, some people say that working is a consequence of the fall. After the fall, we had to work. Before the fall, there's nothing to do. That's not right. It's not true. I'm an evil, turn the ground before the fall. Working before the fall. Work is a blessing. And after the fall, it became difficult. And it became something that caused sweat, sweating, and tiredness, and muscle pain. But work is a blessing from before the fall. We have to labor. That's the eighth commandment. Thou shalt not steal. Just lay with your own hands and make some money that way. 
also another culture, a Canadian culture, maybe worldwide culture. It becomes more normal that young people after graduation don't do anything. They stay home. They just linger. They have no work. They're jobless. And mom and dad, they pay for it. Sometimes in their 30s, in their, in, 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 in their 40s. There's laziness. We have to work. Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Open thine eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. Romans 12, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So that's also mentioned by the instructor. To work faithfully. Let him that, st- that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Well, you say, Minister, I'm not lazy at all. I'm a hard-working citizen. I pay my taxes, and I pay for charities, and I do well. I'm not lazy. You love work, don't you? But maybe you're lazy in a different way, as we have spoken of this morning. Maybe you're not striving. To enter in. We are just so busy with many things, making money, studies, family, but you have to balance it as well, right? So there should be time, the hard-working person, they should have, might make time for their wives and husbands and have time for their children and time to see God. It is pops up in my mind right now. I was an elder in Utrecht in Holland years ago. And next to me in the consistory was always Elder Van Dieren. And he was a milkman in Holland years ago, years before that. A milkman, so he was vending out his milk in the streets in certain subdivisions of the Utrecht town. And he had to work hard, really hard. Early in the morning, just getting all his stuff ready, the cart and the horse in front of it. And then venting it out, and at night he had to clean everything up and just give the, the horse saw, the feed, and you name it. And then at the death of his father, his father died, on the cemetery, he looked at the casket. The castle was lowered. And it came to him. Seek the Lord. It came to him. This man, his dad was a converted man, and they had reason to believe that he was with the Lord. And he felt, I am missing all that. And he felt so keenly that he had to seek the Lord and to do his best and to strive, but he had no time. He couldn't do it. But he did. He sold it. He sold the business. Sold the business. Because he thought, I'd, I'd die if I continued like this. 
Not physically, but spiritually. So maybe you also need to reconsider things for yourself. What are you doing? How hard do you work? It's also stealing from your wife and your children if you're never home. It's also stealing from the Lord if you don't seek him. If you're lazy and seek him, you say, with this type of work, I, I can't. You know, I have a hard time to believe in that. Can't you not work an hour less a day? Or half an hour? You can't. To have some more time for the family, have more time to seek the Lord, to just wake up a little in the same time, I would say, and, and then first read the Bible and see the Lord. You know, if you don't want to be saved, who cares? If you don't want to strive to enter in, just keep it where it is. If you like to seek the Lord, reschedule things if necessary. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. So if you like to be rich and you work hard to be rich, you, know, you would like to get ahead. You are not happy with the level of wealth you have right now. You need more, more, more. You have that urgency to be rich. Then you shall not be innocent. And then the last antidote, a humble friend. What's underneath here, the problem underneath here is also pride. Right? Pride. Because being poor is a shame, people think. Having less than others is difficult. So in our pride, we like to measure up and have at least as same and hopefully more than average. Pride. And pride means that we think that we deserve more. And that's the first step to stealing, don't you think? Deserving more than you have? It gives an urgency to get them something in an unlawful way. Stealing means that you love yourself over others. You want it. You like it. You enjoy it. You desire to use the use of it. And you are not concerned about the owner. You may think that you are more important that you deserve more than the other. Stealing is pride. Stealing is selfish. Stealing is lack of love for others. But if you esteem the other higher than self, you won't steal from the person. Because your stealing is not a humble thing. It's not something humble to do. It's hostile. It's Hatred. 1 John 3. But whose house is this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shut up his bowels of compassion from him? How dwelleth the love of God in him? Question mark. So you see someone in need. You have no compassion. You shut your bowels of mercy for the person. You just are cold, 
Or you don't care. How dwelleth the love of God in him? See, it's almost a mark of grace, don't you think? A mark of grace to be compassionate and to don't, to not shut your bowels up, but be generous. We need grace. We need Christ. When you say after the sermon, I feel kind of guilty. Well, that's good. That's, that's fair. But you should seek the Lord then. You should seek the Lord for forgiveness. And the Lord Jesus came to make rich the poor. And his grace is free. And you cannot steal his grace. Sometimes at the curb you see furniture. And it's a, 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 a sign free. So you stop your van, you stop your truck, and you just load it up on the back of your truck. Because it's set for free. And someone comes around, how's everybody what are you doing? Are you stealing the, the, the chair? You say, no, I'm not stealing. It's set free. So you cannot steal something that is free, can you? You can steal grace. You can steal it. It's free. Without money. Without price. But you can act as if you take it. You can deceive yourself. I I see that. that, That's true. But in itself, you cannot steal grace. And the Lord Jesus is not stealing from you either. And he wants to give mercy without money and without price. He is so generous. One Chronicles twenty nine. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have he given thee. In closing Practically, what is going to change after this sermon? Nothing. Do you seek God as your portion? Are you going to work a few hours less a week? Just discuss it with your boss, with your spouse, with your dad. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. And if there's something that's not right in the business, in the books, using all the all the possible things to just evade taxes, you name it, no, just don't do that. The Lord has said, "Don't steal. Don't take it." if it does not belong to you. And seek contentment in the Lord and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Only that gives that super invincibility. More than conquerors through him. He loved us. That's the heart of it. 
we may experience, may know on the ground his love for you, then all things will be fine. That's Christian life. Christian life is contentment. That contentment with great gain. It is a great gain. Congregation, the Lord doesn't want you to steal, but he wants you to come with empty hands, without money, without price, to receive his mercy. Amen.